welcome to the Kindness Chef podcast with your host Harpal Dutt. This is a longer episode called Sitting with a Different Expert. Each time I have a longer and deeper conversation about kindness where we serve you kindness and give you recipes to nourish your mind, body and soul. Okay. Hi, Julia. Welcome to the Kindness Chef podcast. I'd like to introduce our listeners to Julia, who is um, a mental health advocate, chemical engineer, and a co-founder of Broglie Books, which is thoughtfully created care packages. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. When I thought about the topic of resilience, you came to my mind and um, I met your brother in 2014 at Justin Broglie in the um, Wisdom 2.0 conference in San Francisco. It was like February time. And um, I only, I don't know, I don't know how long I spoke to him for, maybe like five minutes, an hour, I don't know, but I was impacted by his passing <laughs> away. And um, I kind of was, you know, I learned a lot about him afterwards. And, you know, I connected with you and your mother and um, I've seen some of the journey from the outside that you've been on. And um, so I'm grateful to get to speak with you today and meet you. And um, I wanted to dedicate this episode to Justin Broglie, who you say, you know, we lost him to suicide in 2014 and to all the people who are suffering um one of my friend's friends also passed away in this way about a week ago so i know that there are a lot of people suffering and so this is dedicated to all those people and also for us to remember justin and um yeah is how would you like to introduce yourself julia is that a good introduction that was perfect thank you so much for having me um yeah it's it's interesting since my brother passed away, all these people have actually told me similar stories about how they met him once. It was brief, but he made this huge impact on them. Mm. And I think he still continues to make an impact. And I mean, the company that I started is dedicated to him. It's his name. Um, And yeah, so I 100% um, am not surprised by that at all, because that's the way that he was you would meet him and instantly feel a connection or instantly feel inspired to be a better person. Yeah, definitely. He had this way. I mean, I don't know. He's very honest. He said what he wanted to say. And yeah, maybe he had this presence about him that surprised me for somebody so young. To be fair, (laughs) I was biased. I was biased towards him, actually. He's 10 years younger than me. <clears throat> and he told me to call him and I never called him but I did connect um, via one of the friends on Facebook had some messages mm-hmm. with him but I had never met anybody actually who I've, I didn't know so well but yeah he was uh, he was very present I think mm-hmm. and I don't know he spoke his mind and he I think he saw something in me I didn't see in myself and I was a little bit judgmental thinking you know he's so young <laughs> and uh, but afterwards I learned a lot about him and in his 20s I mean he was achieved so many things that I think kind of blew my mind a little bit and um, 
I was inspired by his video about the free hugs that he did with his friend because <laughs> with Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, like they just went around Philadelphia and offered free hugs and they also did a dancing video. I don't know if you saw that one. Yeah. Where they would just they would dance in the square. Yeah, I saw that. Then... <laughs> Maybe we can put them in this episode actually. And okay. yeah, because I actually didn't come from a family of huggers, huggers and hugging and touching, but I kind of later realized the benefits of hugging. And then I was teaching people about hugging. And I remember doing my first, um, when you go out on the street and put your arms out to hug mm -hmm. other people, it's very vulnerable. It's not so easy. Um, so I was inspired actually by what they both were doing. And, you know, it's quite a while ago now. So yeah, I learned quite a lot from him in my short period of time. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to ask you, like you say, I asked my um, uh, guests, what does kindness mean to you? How, how do you define kindness or what does it feel like for you? So I define kindness as doing something for another person without any intention of getting anything back. Although we've seen multiple times that by doing something for kind for someone else, you receive a benefit, sometimes more of a benefit than that person because of the, the feeling that you get giving back. Or um, my grandma always used to say that you receive three times back what you give. And I fully believe that. Um, so I would say the intention though, the intention is how I would define kindness as doing something completely um, just for someone else without any intention of, of receiving anything in return. And did you know that the research also shows that if you were to observe kindness, you get a benefit as well. So it's not just um, when we give and the receiver, but it's actually observation as well. When we witness kind um, acts, ah, it, has I did not chemical, know that. it has a chemical reaction in your body. <clears throat> so actually, it doesn't matter the ways that we practice. It can be self-kindness, kindness to somebody you know, kindness to a stranger or observation. They all um, impact your well-being. Wow, that's awesome. It's definitely a ripple effect, right? Yes. Like when you see someone else and it yeah. triggers whatever chemical that is, and then you want to be inspired yeah. to do something. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like my definition I guess um, doesn't fully encompass self-kindness, which is something that we talk about a lot. And um, and that is so important because if you're not kind to yourself, then that's the worst. <laughs> hmm. And uh, your grandma was smart because the research <laughs> talks about the ripple effect of kindness. I think they talk about 16, it, one kind effect. It has a ripple effect up to 16. Um, mm. Okay, I believe that. <laughs> so um, can you talk a little bit about Justin? And you say, when I was researching you on the internet, you say that he was one of the kindest people you'd know. And are you being biased because it was your brother? Like, um, you know, what was it that he was doing that we can learn from? How did he yeah. make his impact? So I'm definitely not being biased. I mean, <laughs> we, like, we're siblings, right? So we fought growing up, like, we were constantly like making fun of each other poking fun at each other physically fighting when we were young you know like um but 
as we grew older, we became, we were always really close, but we became closer in a different way. And I, I got to see those moments of observing him from the outside. Um, and he really was a role model to me in all aspects of life in school, um, in his in his personal relationships and his friendships. And one thing in particular that I noticed about him when he was, when we were interacting as well as when he was interacting with someone else is that he had his full attention on you whenever you were with him. Like there could be explosions going off in the background. There could be the most interesting thing happening. There could be celebrity, whatever. It doesn't matter. He was so zoned in on the person in front of him. And it made, when he, when it happened to me, it literally made me feel like the most special person in the world. And all he was doing was focusing his attention. He wasn't necessarily, although he did always have, I'm like, how do you always have the, the right words? You know, he did always have the right words and everything else, but it was really the fact that he was just listening and paying attention and making sure you felt seen. If it was, a, if it was me or you just looking at him interacting with friends, it was like, the, wow, like he's really making them feel seen. And that has had such an impact on me. And I know that it's had an impact on many other people of his friends that have met him. Um, and that I think is, that just exuberates kindness. Um, the other thing is he was, so he studied um, computer science engineering and digital media design. And so he was doing a lot of web development, application development, that type of thing. And he only took on clients that he felt were serving a better purpose or having some sort of social impact. And I thought that was really interesting because he made a conscious choice to work for and support initiatives that he believed in. Um, and when he did, it was like, you have a lifelong, I mean, I shouldn't say lifelong because that's, you know, yeah. but a supporter, a supporter behind you constantly. And he, he fought for those people that he believed in. Um, and that also has made such an impact on me. Yeah, I think that's uh, beautifully described. And I think, you know, it makes me feel a bit sad because I now remember, you know, the moment when I met him and I don't think, I don't think I fully saw him, but I did. I, I was just grateful that I didn't say something silly like to him to hurt his feelings. It wouldn't have mattered. It would but, not have mattered. But I, yeah. I feel that that's what I, you know, I was like sad, really sad you know and um there's something about this way of connecting and this you know and also how somebody so young he was so clued up i mean he was into this consciousness and spirituality things and going to wisdom 2.0 i think he was about 23 or then or 24 he was um but he was very conscious about you know the things that he was doing and he was very smart i think as well yeah, I think he he had these questions about the world and mm. about life that no one could answer, and he, yeah. I, I, he was so far ahead of his time I, I, in that way. But it also it also haunted him, you know, yes. like why can't I yeah. figure this out? Why is it? Why does evil exist in the world? And um, yeah, I think he was just way beyond his time and and his um, age. I feel he definitely. was very wise for a. I think he was twenty four then. He was probably 23 at the time that you met I him um, because he turned 24 in December that year and then passed away in April. 
Yeah, but I only knew him for five weeks of his life. So he was 24 then. Okay. I met so him then it was, it, was it the spring? I met him in February. Okay. So yeah, right before. Um, yeah. So, you know, I learned a lot not to be judgmental, but I am judge we're all judgmental. You know, we shouldn't just see people's ages and think, what do they know? Because afterwards I realized how much, you know, he had gone to India, he'd gone to places, he'd explored stuff. I know he was doing mindfulness with uh, some younger children from um, different backgrounds to his own. And maybe they came from a difficult background. He was helping them to get some inner peace, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we all want to be seen and heard. But I would say that right now, um, maybe is quite a lot of intensity for some people out there. Mm -hmm. with um you know maybe not being able to see people that they're close to and yeah. um it's difficult it's, it's difficult to get to get to that level i think it it makes it's a it's a vulnerability thing and not everyone's comfortable yes. opening up i i know there were moments with even with justin who obviously like no one knew me better that i felt exposed and uncomfortable opening up about things that it was so easy for him um but now with time I look back and I'm like if we could have a conversation now I think <laughs> about some of the things that he wanted to talk about I think I could contribute more to the conversation now that I'm 30 but at the time I was just so young and I think just wasn't on that level of as him <laughs> me too I think you know yeah but um, he never made me he never made me he never made me feel that way yeah. i probably felt subconscious yes. about That's the kindness that. perhaps that he yeah. was he was seeing things and i think he used to speak the truth as well whether people liked mm -hmm. it or not and you know that can be kind as well absolutely sometimes you need that like <laughs> mirror of reality right like this is the truth absolutely um so what what are you working on right now so you're you're quite busy i know and yeah. what are some of your um projects of broglie books like i know you're you told me you had a client in the uk you're going into some companies now what are some of your projects right now that you're doing or in the yeah future? so um we have so the the website is set up to be an e-commerce business so we have people that come on and order um, care packages or boxes or kits. So essentially um, we have what we call the six pillars of mental wellness. And those are mindfulness, gratitude, fitness, nutrition, relaxation, and sleep. And so you can pick from different products from those categories. Most of the time, not all the time, but I would say like 90% of the, the, the people coming onto our website are actually purchasing a box or a kit as a gift for someone else. Nice. Um, and then, like I was telling you earlier, we we have a lot of businesses, organizations, um, especially in the last year that have wanted to send mental wellness kits to their employees. And so that's been a huge focus and kind of a new focus for us, um, I would say really in the last year is servicing companies looking to help their employees. Um, and so we, they choose different products from our directory and sometimes they have company specific resources that they wanna include, but um, the feedback has been incredible because I know like when I worked for a big company right out of college, 
to get something like this, I would have been shocked and amazed at my company for actually prioritizing mental health and just letting it be known that it's an okay thing to talk about. And it's an okay thing. If you're struggling, here's resources. Um, We're open to helping you. We're going to get through this. Um, It's not a stigmatized, stifled down topic. So that's what we're really trying to achieve. And then another big project um, that we're working on is with universities. So great. really focus on like colleges, but also high schools, um, but universities um, looking to support their mental health center. I know that's when I was struggling the most with my depression was in college. And so to have a resource, you know, the story I always tell is that I was so embarrassed by my depression and my anxiety that I hit it for a long time. I thought it was a personal weakness. Um, And then finally, I got the courage to go to my mental health center my senior year of college and I was put on a three-month wait list and that didn't bother me as much as being sent away without a single resource. I didn't get like a pamphlet or a website or a breathing technique or hey here's literally anything that can help you get through the next three months until we can see you Um, and that that conversation and that experience motivates me to help to make sure that no other student has the same thing. So we're trying to get into universities and really equip them with um, resources that are easily taken away by the student if if they can't help them right then and there. Um, you know, here are some things that you can do just to get you through those those moments. It's not a replacement for professional treatment by any means. If anything, we're helping people or encouraging people to get help if that's what it, if that's what they need. But a lot of times these schools are at max capacity and sometimes just having a box of items to help you check in on yourself and reflect and kind of manage some of those feelings um, is really helpful. So that's what we're working on right now. And I think in the perspective of, say, an organization, if I was to receive a package, it's like I would feel perhaps more cared for. And it's a, it's a way of perhaps bringing well-being to the home, especially now in the COVID times as well, where there's some distance. But all these resources, I didn't think about it in the way that you're saying, because it's actually making mental health normal and that we all suffer, which is a part of common humanity and self-compassion. And I think when we start to realize this, then we can be more vulnerable. Because when we realize that we're all suffering, you know, we all have these stories of our own pain, our family, our friends, you know, I think we all know somebody that's suffering or we are suffering ourselves. And receiving, it's it's like a gift, but it's, uh, you know, it's different to say a box of chocolates, which could be nice as well at some point, but it's, um, yeah, I, I think it's a very clever idea but also that, you know, your personal experience. And it's uh, actually, it's, you know, it's a different way to look at like mental health. We should all be taking care of our mental health. And um, absolutely, I'm, I'm teaching, well, I was teaching and I maybe will be, is that positive psychology to second year students at the University of Westminster. And, um, you know, I, the, the people that come on this module I think it's something that all the students should be doing. 
as well as you know having access to resources so i don't know what they're doing in the uk and other countries but i think this is a really helpful model especially with technology and information available now so i hope that your work can go you know further than america as well but with, Me too, fingers crossed. With, yeah. yeah, because universities, these people, they really, I think, and in the last 10 years, I was studying acceptance and commitment therapy a little bit from uh, Dr. Stephen mm -hmm. Hayes. And he says that there's been a one standard deviation increase in mental illness of anxiety and depression. So, um, you know, it's not something that people are just saying, oh, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm depressed. But there is actually a big, there's a shift and there's people really suffering and I think we may be connected with technology but uh, some of us are less connected like how your brother helped people to be seen in the face-to-face -face interaction and I can see how maybe this product can help people to stop pause have a conversation it's about having conversations and sharing really? most people think that they're like perfectly healthy or like mentally ill. Mm -hmm. and, and the reality is like every single one of us has mental health and we fall somewhere on the spectrum and it can change every day. Sometimes mm -hmm. for me in the hour, like I'm having a really good day and then suddenly something happens and I'm suddenly not having a good day. Um, and so just to have like a toolkit and I always encourage people to add their own things to the box. So if you receive this box of stuff, this will get you started. This will give you new ideas. Like people are like, I never even knew that this product existed or like whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but add some things that, you know, make you feel better when on the days that you're feeling down because nice. every single person is different. Um, but yeah, I agree. It just gets the conversation started. And my little we, I'll show you my little Frida doll. This is my, oh, yeah. you can see. This was like yeah, a birthday yeah. gift to my, well, I asked my mother to buy it for me, but this is a way for me to connect with my inner child. I thought I was okay, but I've realized, you know, we all have things to work on. And, uh, you know, if I had the books, maybe I would put Frida in there, which is now me, the little purple. But, oh, um. I love it. <laughs> we'll have to send you a box then, so you can put Frida safely inside. <laughs> Yeah, and um, so one of my friends, friends passed away, I think last week, and I was looking, so I was telling, thank you, I was, um, it was the day we were going to speak, and I was telling her I'm going to speak to you and talking about your brother, and, and then I was looking on the website, and I saw that you had a package for grief, and I mm -hmm. shared it with her, it was like, you know, maybe you want to send it or not to her and she said oh this is really beautiful the grief box so I, I learned yeah. a little bit more about your different products there um so yeah I think it's quite amazing that you were you know you're very brave to oh, put yourself you. out there and you know pioneering I think what you're doing about these um Boxes. I just hope that so, like by me talking about like someday it won't be a brave thing to talk yes, about true. you know what I mean like I do feel very vulnerable and feel uncomfortable sometimes opening up about like my deepest darkest things but at the end of the day I'm like if it can help someone like if I would have heard me talk about it hmm. when I was really struggling and learned that not only is it okay to feel that way, but there are ways to feel better, then I 
you know, I, that's what keeps me motivated is I wish that I had heard someone like me talk, you know, talking yes. about these things openly um, in a way that felt understandable to me. Um, and, and just going back to the grief box, like my favorite part. So in all of our boxes, we have these magazines that um, we have a network of 30 mental health professionals who write for the magazine. They've given resources. Um, and what I love the most about the grief box is the magazine that goes inside and it talks about there's grief therapists um, writing about, you know, the different kind of like side effects of grief. Like, you know, do you feel, sometimes I remember feeling like, am I going crazy? Like I was like forgetting things. I was having so much brain fog. I was having like random spouts of like anger. Um, and just to have a resource booklet like we have in the grief box that, that is telling people this is normal. It's going to be okay. Like here are some resources. Here are some ways to practice self-kindness, um, especially with a suicide. There's a lot of guilt that goes along with that as well. So um, that's my favorite part about all of our boxes is these like resource booklet magazines that we put inside because there's jam-packed with information, but they're all written in a way that feels very approachable um, and doesn't feel like scary, even though that your mental health, it, it can feel scary at times. And so we're trying to do it in a way that that feels very approachable. And have you thought about making a book from pieces uh, of pieces of mine? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny, like a few people have said that to me recently and I'm like, I don't know, maybe. Yes. I'm, I'm not like a natural writer. It takes a lot for me to write. <laughs> nobody like is good I enough mean, but okay well maybe if you want to talk about this I mean because I'm working on a book it's taken me five years so um but I we can talk about this afterwards but I feel like a book okay. is a you have already have the content and I'm happy if you want to have a conversation about that okay thank you yeah maybe it could be peace of mind as a book you know you have content already and so yeah. Actually, um, I'm going into coaching. Oh, I'll stop that for now. But I'm getting excited because I can see a book, and you know, not everybody can get the box, but maybe they have the book as well. So it's or right. they get the book and then they get the box, you know. Um, or we put the book in the box. Yeah, that's, <laughs> there's so that's many true. combinations. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so I think this. Thing about feeling less alone that loneliness there's a big you know awareness now about loneliness as well for all ages not just older people I think we all feel lonely um what did I I wanted to say to you so I wanted you to talk about resilience and um I I don't know I found this nice definition where it says it's the process of adapting well in the face of adversity trauma tragedy threats or significant sources of stress and this comes from the, I think, APA, which is the American Psychological Association, Psychology. I think, Help Center. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, you probably have your own definition. I, I liked this because I know a lot of the definitions are about bounce back. But I, I don't know, I, I thought this is, I don't know, I didn't, it's because when you're going through this, you're not bouncing back at that point. I know they talk mm -hmm. about bounce back for resilience. What does, what does this word mean for you? Because yeah, I think that that, that def I like that definition. I also don't like the bounce back 
definition mm-hmm. because I, I don't think you're going, when you've experienced a trauma or you're experiencing something horrific, you're never the same. Yes. You're never the same. You're not bouncing back to what was before. You're almost like bouncing to a new place and that place looks different. And there are shreds of familiarity, but my life will never be the same. My world will never be the same after losing Justin. And so I think just um, it's not being able to recover and, and go back to what you were before. It's being able to get through that hard time, know that you're going to be okay, find a way to continue to remain hopeful in the new situation that you're in. Um, and that's been the case with all of my family members. Um, you know, n- none of us will ever be the same. Our world will never look the same, but um, to, to still be hopeful and still find joy and still be able to laugh, um, it doesn't come right away. Like I remember the first time I laughed after Justin died, like it was like weeks later, <laughs> you know, like, and it was something so silly and I was like I don't know if I'm ever gonna be able to laugh again and then when I did I was like oh my gosh okay this is the first time something's funny yeah (laughs) it was something like a silly thing that my friend did just to like just to try to make me laugh and I didn't even know that she was doing it but um but yeah I think that was not like a succinct definition but I think I think that is a it's it's a perfect definition you know you have gone through adversity trauma tragedy however you want to say this but I would say that it's real and this is why when you you make a really good point about you know why should you be vulnerable it should be normal that we have these conversations but I think we all have to become more vulnerable myself included which I have only really started to do in the last year because I started to have therapy and before this, I, I was in denial. I probably still am in denial about some things, but I wasn't able to go get really vulnerable. Um, and um, so, I, you know, we don't need to have scientific, we, need, we do need some scientific definitions, but actually I wanted to say that I, I've studied psychology, but not clinical psychology, more in America, you call it industrial psychology. In the UK, it's uh, occupational psychology. And um, I've noticed that, uh, you know, I didn't really understand anxiety. I don't understand depression. So the more people talk about this, like you can read about it in textbooks, but actually as an occupational psychologist, I didn't study this. So it's the most, actually, the first time I got some insight was Ruby Wax. Do you know Ruby Wax? No, I'll have to look. Oh my gosh, I'll send you. So Ruby Wax is, I think she's an American comedian living in the UK. She's done a lot okay. of work on mental. So I went sure, to, I'll to look her I, up. okay, I'll send you something. But I, bet she, that I'll, I bet that I'll know her when okay. I see her. <laughs> but I went to a conference about mindfulness. I don't know when this was now, a long time ago. I think it was at Cambridge University. And she has, she had her own TV show and she does comedy and stand up. And she actually described what it looked like. So I got some insight. I still don't fully understand, you know, what anxiety and depression, I understand more now. And you know, the first time somebody told me they had depression, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't, um, I think I gave like the wrong answers because I didn't even know how to talk about it 20 years ago. 
So, you know, it's really helpful when people are able to say they're suffering and, you know, we make people feel safe and then to be able to have some insight. I don't think we're going to have the complete understanding, but so it helps to know. Yeah, that. I mean, I, I, it's very difficult to talk about, but I totally agree. I think the education piece, um, it has been... I think really important for like my friends and family too to understand things that I've gone through by um, you know just educating them on what it looks like and what it feels like and it's very hard it's very hard to describe it anyone that's listening to this will will probably agree that it is so hard to describe what it feels like um, and so just all you can do is try, try to try to describe and like people describe it in different ways because I think it is different for everybody. Like, and, and actually it's been different for me depending on like, there were moments in um, college where I felt really sad. And then there were other moments where I literally just felt numb, like literally nothing, nothing could affect me, my like happy or sad or anything my whole entire body just felt numb. Mm -hmm. My mind felt numb. I didn't care about anything. Um, and then there were other days where it was like, there were just clouds over my head all day and I could not snap out of feeling better. Like I just felt so sad and I couldn't understand, couldn't explain why. And then the, for me at the time, especially the guilt set in about feeling sad because I was like, I have the perfect life. I have a healthy family. I have friends, like, why am I feeling this way? I shouldn't be feeling this way. All those, all those other emotions go into play. Um, and then my brain just constantly telling me, well, you're not good enough. And you, you are selfish for feeling sad. And, you know, you're such a burden. You're, you're not the, um, you bring everybody down by your presence. Like, you'll never achieve anything. Like, all those thoughts just continually continually cycling in your mind it becomes very overwhelming um and so that's the best way that I describe it <laughs> thanks so much for sharing I mean it helps me and it's going to help the listeners so and it's a great point you made about it being individual and absolutely yeah and us just being able to have the space for the people who don't understand to be okay. I think compassion helps or something happen, hap helps to be able to listen, even if we don't understand. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it can happen to anybody as well at any time through a life circumstance. So um, I'd like you to create a recipe for resilience. Um, uh, something where um, maybe if we can start with, if you've come up with a title or a name for this recipe. I have um so <laughs> I was telling my fiance last night and he was giggling about it okay um so my my recipe title is resilience slow cooker stew and the reason is because most people think like oh like resilience it, it's not like this like flash fry right like it's not quick like it takes a lot of time to cultivate and it's a practice um, you don't just have it. Like some people are like, oh, you either have it or you don't. Like, that's not true. I think it has to be cultivated and practiced over time and, you know, stewed over time, just like in the slow cooker, like a crock pot. 
Yeah, and so what ingredients would be in this recipe? Okay, so let's have a little bit of fun here. Um, so I said, <laughs> I said a healthy dose of mindfulness, which I know you're a big proponent of. Um, and we know that mindfulness is becoming more aware, um, more reflective than reactive, right? So noticing your feelings rather than avoiding them and feeling them versus, um, versus just shoving them down and just becoming aware without judgment of some of the thoughts that you're having. I think that that's so important with resilience because if you're, um, if you're having, if you have this tragedy and you're having these like terrible feelings and terrible thoughts, just kind of taking a step back and avoid and, and looking at them from an outsider's perspective, um, separating yourself from that a little bit is really important. Um, I said a, let's see. Um, I said five people you surround yourself with. So I always say that like, you're an, kind of like an average of the people that you, of the five people that you surround yourself with. And I think someone more official than me <laughs> like said that at some point and I've just yes. adopted it because I think it's, it's so true that, um, you know, you want to be around the people that inspire you and make you feel great. And so I think with resilience, that is also so important because they're going to help you through, they're going to help you through those hard times. Um, but they're also going to be an example for you. So if those people are through hard times and you, you see them be resilient, you're going to be, you're going to want to be resilient too. And, and kind of, um, adopt some of the habits that, that they have, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, a tablespoon of flexibility. Yeah. So this is something that I constantly have to work on. Yeah. And life will throw you in all these different turns. And I actually have um, on my desk, I have like some crystals and everything. And I keep a rubber band on there as well to remind myself that I need to be flexible because life is not rigid and these things are going to happen and you have to be able to I think resilience and flexibility go hand in hand. So maybe more than a tablespoon, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And actually um, I like this idea of, you know, flexibility is maybe to have an elastic band. That is an ingredient. Yeah. Oh, true. I should just write elastic band. In an no, with flexibility. No, yeah. Or yeah, I love that because it's really, really is actually important for mental health. Just Yeah, absolutely. And, and just that knowing that, knowing that it's not always going to go the way that you plan. I, that's, that's been very incredible for my anxiety as well, because anxiety comes from like fear of the future and fear of the unknown, at least for me. Um, and so just knowing that, okay, I'm, if this, if this route happens, then I have to be a little bit flexible and be able to adjust accordingly. Um, Okay, the other thing I wrote was optimism, but not toxic positivity. So I think like there's this culture right now that's like, you have to be positive and be positive and everything. And it's like, there are moments where it's hard to be positive. Like it is very hard, but I think optimism, I think everyone needs to have a little bit of optimism. And sometimes it's easier said than done, but just trying to find the, the shreds of, of good in every day. Um, and then I also wrote down the 1% 1 better rule and maybe you can help me 
figure out how to can i just say something about the optimism so you know sure. martin Seliman. he talks about learned optimism and you can mm -hmm. be i think pessimistic optimist so ah, okay um, and he he suffers with depression and he talks about so yeah so this is really great point you made there about optimism like not pollyanna yeah. effect you can be a pessimistic pessimistic optimist as well i like that yeah yeah i think like it's like oh like have to be happy all the time no this is fake. Can't, you know yeah it's totally this fake. is not i think that's not real resilience because i don't know fully but i think we have to process and be with all of our feelings Absolutely. And that's where the mindfulness aspect comes yes. in too, right? And you're talking about ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy, like you have to um, accept. So I actually wrote down, I wrote down radical acceptance too. Um, and that has been very, that has been very um, effective for me is accepting that this, this is the reality of the situation. I can't change anything about that. But what can I do to help myself through this time? I can't, I can't change the fact that my brother died, but what can I do to help me live a life that he would be proud for me to live? Um, and so that's been really important for me too. So, um, okay. And then the, the, I wrote down the 1% better rule. Mm -hmm. So this, this has been game changer for me as well. So if I'm feeling, if I'm having a really hard time, if I'm experiencing like huge bouts of grief or depression um, or anxiety, any of those things, or if I'm just overwhelmed with the workday, um, the only way I can be resilient it sometimes is to think about what's something I can do to make my day 1% better. Like I'm not trying to make it a game. I'm not trying to totally change my day around and make it 100% better, but what's something I can do to make it 1% better? Um, and that looks different every time, but I think having that in your back pocket where it's like, okay, instead of getting overwhelmed by in just saying, you know what, this day is a wash instead of doing that. I'm like, well, what's one little thing I can do that will make it a little bit better. Um, so I don't know how to make That's, that. I think you've recipe. said it perfectly. And there's a book, I think called the one thing. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. that book. Yeah, I need to like, I'm going to, I have, I have homework to do after this podcast episode. <laughs> I'll send you some information, but <laughs> there is a book about, you know, it's called One Thing, I think, and it's about focusing on one thing at a time. Um, yeah, a lot of homework to do. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I No, do. it relates to what, maybe not really, but okay, this is really great, the 1%, because we get overwhelmed yeah. with this all or nothing. And I think 1% is great because it's, is like you feel like we are doing something. Yep, exactly. Um, and then let's see, what else do I have here? I have um, focus on your why or your sense of purpose. So um, for me, like being resilient, just, and, and really, I guess I wrote this down because it relates to kind of like my life's mission now like my I felt like I never really had a purpose I was just kind of like floating and then um when my brother died and I started talking about mental health and I started hearing the people's stories I was like oh my gosh I have I have this purpose now and it's to help people 
And so I always come back to that in times where I feel like I want to give up or I want to just stop or, you know, any of those times where it gets really hard is I come back to my why um, and, and remember my sense of purpose. And so that's been really important as well. And where do you, I mean, I, I, how, I mean, this came from the experience of what happened to Justin. It came from your personal and your own mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. And, yep. and this is so deep that I assume you don't, do you write this down anywhere or do you don't need to write it down? Do you have it up somewhere? Or? Um, like, do I have like my sense of purpose written down in mm. like a sentence? I don't have it written anywhere, although I do. So I have like pictures of Justin and I on my desk. Um, I have, I actually am like a chronic uh, post-it note person with like mantras and affirmations. So I have those written Can all we see? over. What does that say? This one says you are, or you got this. Okay. Um, but I have other ones that uh in my like in my bathroom mirror like when you open up yeah, the medicine yeah. cabinet that it's literally filled with them um and then one thing that we we actually put in our care packages it's called aqua notes and they're basically water it's a waterproof notepad so you can put it in your shower and there's a pencil and when you write it it doesn't it doesn't wash away um and so i have affirmations and reminders um all on there and the one the one that's in there right now is saying i think it says um you are creating a company that is helping so many people in need and just reminding myself like this is why I'm doing it to remind myself like there are people out there that need our help um and so yeah I definitely I definitely use that one <laughs> and um yeah so what does the day look like for you then so this recipe is about the slow cooker approach so it's something that way you're cooking um, under a very slow heat over a long period of time. So when you wake up in the morning, do you practice some affirmations then? How do you wake up in the morning? And how do you go yeah. to sleep? And what, what are you doing throughout the day? So the one thing I didn't mention that I have written down on the ingredient list is gratitude. So when I wake up in the morning, I um, my anxiety is usually, it, it peaks a lot in the morning because I feel overwhelmed by my day. So the first thing I do is like, is, um, I actually practice gratitude. So I think about like, before I even step foot on, like, before I even get out of bed, I think about, um, usually like one to three things that I'm grateful for, for the, for the day. Um, and that's kind of how I get my day started. I also, um, journal every morning so um I have like morning pages right. I read this book by Julia Cameron yeah. um okay yeah so you know and I was like all right I gotta do this so I do that um but do you do three pages every morning I try to sometimes sometimes it's hard um but I, I try to and I I'm not like she talks about how to not go back and look at what you've written yeah. and it's so that's been really hard for me too um, but because a lot of times it's like gibberish in the morning, right? Like there's no, like she says, just write whatever comes out and it doesn't have to be like a story or a purpose. Um, so I have two separate journals. I have like my morning pages journal, and then I have like my regular journal that I write usually closer to the evening. Um, 
but yeah <laughs> and something that I read about anxiety was that I think um I don't know if this is true or not that the cortisol is higher in the morning and that's why people wake up feeling more uh, that makes sense yeah that makes sense I mean like when you have um when you have this like chronic anxiety like they say that your cortisol levels continue to spike and it's for like a long period of time and that's why you get burnt out much easier and that's why your your whole body's in a in a state of like I might it's like fight flight or freeze um and so your body's in a state of of basically panic and um it's signaling to your brain like we need to like something's wrong something's wrong we need to figure something out um I didn't know that it was it was at a peak in the morning but that would make sense for me for sure and it's so I read something about so what do you do before you go to sleep what do you do so yeah so I it looks different every night but I I love to read and so um I've been reading I'm actually reading the body keeps score right now I've, I've been reading. reading that book That's yeah like it's book. it's been um it's hard to get through sometimes I haven't read so it all, I, but it's a classic yeah, book yeah I'm reading like little bits at a time and then I'm also reading I just finished this book called Believe It by Jamie Kern Lima she was the founder of It Cosmetics um, and she just talks about, you know, like being a female founder and how there were times of adversity and people telling her no, and she had to keep going. And so I also, I also like fiction books, but, um, but anyway, just doing some sort of activity at night for me. And, and personally that's reading. Um, I love to read. And then Dustin, my fiance and I will often talk about like, what's the best thing that happened today. And that was something that my mom used to do with us at dinner time. Like Justin and I would be so annoyed. We'd be like, <laughs> oh, like I don't want to do this, but it's something I still practice today. So, and um, it really helps keep perspective. And I learned somebody was telling me about this www, which is what went well, and that was mm. something that I started to do with the university students. So I would always end the class with the www. So if they felt like it I kind of forced them a bit that to share what went well so yeah. that by the end of 12 weeks they had created a habit I so um yeah I think this this really gives well me and our listeners I think an insight into the life of Julia and it's these <laughs> small things but done regularly it's about consistency and it's yeah. not when we're feeling when we're feeling okay you know and when we're not feeling okay, it's also okay that, you know, we didn't do three pages of morning pages. Maybe the the main thing is that you thought about it, you know, yeah. even thinking about it is, is actually taking care of yourself. And I think as somebody who's promoting self-care and well-being, um, it's, I think people will relate even more to you that you do these practices. Yeah. And the, just to comment on, if you don't do it, I think, um, forgiving yourself if you have these things that you're trying to do and like you said like there are some mornings you don't feel like doing it and you, you and then you feel bad about it and it's like give yourself some compassion that self-kindness piece is so important um and and remember that all the days you did do it and yes and we're not going to be perfect you know yeah so I think the main thing is to have an intention to try to get started and to start again Absolutely. Every day is a new day. Yes. 
And so is there anything else you would like to share with them, the listeners from the kindness? I guess um, I love to leave podcasts in this way where I just want to let anyone know out there who might be struggling that I'm living proof that you can go from feeling suicidal, you can be having literally the worst times and worst feelings of your life to feeling okay. And if you're feeling that way right now and you're feeling like you're a burden, you're definitely not, you're not alone and there are resources available. And for a long time, I didn't know that, I didn't know that I could ever be as okay as I am right now. And so I just wanna make sure that whoever out there is listening, if they're struggling, just to know that, um, that there are resources available and it is possible and you are worthy regardless of what you've been through and what you've done, it doesn't matter. You are worthy of, of receiving help and also coming back to um, feeling like yourself again. So I just wanted to put that out there in case anyone needs to hear it. Yeah, and we can put in the episode notes, maybe some links to the resources you have in America and we can look for the UK and maybe there's some global resources as well. Absolutely, yes, I'd love to do that. Yeah, so um, it's so great to have you here. And which kind of social media platform do you, uh, you're on Instagram, I know. Do you use that more? Oh, than, yeah. Yeah, we think? use Instagram probably the most. Um, and it's at the Brogly box. So at uh, T-H-E-B-R-O-G-L-I-E-B-O-X. Okay. So thanks so much, Julia. I think, you know, I really appreciate getting to meet you. You know, I haven't really had a conversation with you before in person. Well, it's not in person, but it's more in person than chatting in chat box. Um, and actually, you know, I'm so happy that I had the idea to invite you because I think you are the perfect guest to talk about resilience. You know, I have learned Thank a you. lot from listening to you today. And I hope that our listeners do as well. And they realize that, you know, there's these small daily regular doses of actions they can take to get a good nice you know substantial meal so, <laughs> thank you so much for having me and thank you for this podcast i really enjoyed um talking to you and and yeah i hope we can do it again soon yes thank you sit with us and deepen your understanding of kindness and increasing your wisdom to be kinder to yourself and others. Share with others as an act of intentional kindness and see you again soon.